Hello, Sid Roth here. For decades, I've had a passion to understand the realm of the miraculous, to understand how people are physically healed. I've had a passion for this. I wish I knew years ago what I know today, and I want to equip you right now with the greatest healing keys I found from so many different people that I believe that one or more of these keys is going to change the destiny of your life. So I suggest you take notes and you have an open spirit and an open heart and get ready for the most exciting adventure of your life. Let's go to that teaching right now. What I wanted to tell you is that I've been a believer now for 40 years. And for before I became a believer, I was so intrigued with the supernatural. But I didn't know the differences. Uh, it, it says in uh, Job, I did, or, or in uh, Jonah, I didn't know my left hand from my right hand. I didn't know the counterfeit from the authentic. But you know what? God puts in your heart a destiny, even before you know him. Many people pervert that destiny. In other words, someone could become a nightclub singer or musician. They were really called by God to be a worshiper. Someone could be the best salesman in the world. They were really called by God to be an evangelist, but they had the gift of evangelism in a perverted fashion. They had the gift as a psalmist in a perverted fashion. But I had this passion to understand the invisible world. But in Judaism, which is the way I was raised, God was there. We were here. We did our thing. He did his thing, and when I died, because I was Jewish, I'd go to heaven. That was the end of, of religion, beyond the high holidays. I would go to synagogue. But after I became a believer, the passion that I had in a perverted sense became what God originally intended. And I've spent the last 40 years in interviewing and studying the supernatural of God. And I've come to some conclusions. Conclusion number one, you cannot put God in a box. You cannot have a formula for God. Sometimes I wish you could, to be honest with you because I'm a logical, pragmatic type of person. God, just tell me, A, B, C, I will do A, B, C, that's, that's me, and then I expect results. <laughs> but somehow, God is more interested in intimacy with him than in being a formula person. Having said that, Still, the investigation I've done has shown keys. And this is what I believe. Number one, I believe that there are people in this room that believe 
and watching by television that believe that God heals. But they have a disconnect between what they believe and what they experience. And some of you, almost all of you, if you were honest, you'd say, I'm disappointed because I'm not healed, but I'm going to go on because I know God is real. Some of you, it's worse. You're literally angry with God. Well, you're angry with the wrong person, for starters. And some of you say, I just don't understand, but I'm going to keep going on. But I believe, I absolutely believe, because of what God has shown me, that as I share with you what I've learned, that one or more of these keys, a light bulb will go off, and God's going to use that light bulb to manifest his healing. Why am I so interested in the supernatural? Because before I became a believer, I was a salesman. Joy, I was a pretty good salesman, right? I was a pretty good salesman. And I wanted money to buy things. That was what I was after. Now, I'm a salesman for God. Guess what I want? I want what he wants. He who wins souls is wise. If you think for one minute that I'm interested in miracles for the sake of miracles, you're nuts. I'm interested in souls. And God has shown me. He has shown me. It says in Scripture, he who wins souls is wise. Why? You can take your money to heaven. You can take your business to heaven. You're gonna, I hope you take some of your friends with you to heaven. <laughs> the only thing you're going to take to heaven with you is souls. That's why God says, he who wins souls is wise. I have found, and I don't understand why others don't get excited about this. I have found God's law of evangelism. I see people getting excited about God's laws of prosperity. <laughs> Take that money with you to heaven. Good luck. I see God's people getting excited about God's laws for healing. <laughs> well, take your healing to heaven. You won't need it. No one's sick there. <laughs> but getting very excited over those things, and rightfully so, by the way, but why aren't we even more excited about God's laws for evangelism? You can't figure God's laws out. That's why he gave us a book called the rule book, the truth book, or others call it the Bible, because it explains what we can't see with our eyes. It explains where our limited knowledge leaves off. Truth. The law of evangelism is going to the Jew first. When God wanted to reach the world, he went to a Jew, Abraham. Jesus said, I go only to the lost sheep of the whole. 
house of Israel. Why? Same starting point as his father. As an end in itself? No. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But is there something supernatural about God's strategy? When God wanted to reach the world, not just the Jew, he went to the first Jew. When Jesus wanted to reach the world, he said, I go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, wanted to reach the world, he said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first. That's what I found out. I don't understand it, but I have found that if I reach out to the Gentile first, I'll reach some Gentiles. But if I reach out to the Jew first, I'll reach more Gentiles. There's something supernatural about following what God shows us to follow. So how can we demonstrate the same miracles that Jesus did. The Jew, by the way, if you want to go to the Jew first, let me tell you how you reach the Jew. The truth book tells us. The Jew requires a sign. That's what the truth book tells me, the Bible. So you better walk in signs and wonders if you want to reach Jewish people so that it will be a catalyst to reach all people. So the disciples of Jesus wanted to know how to walk in signs and wonders. And in uh, John 6.28, they, they said in the Amplified, after they were asking the question, how can we do what you're doing? I want to do what you're doing. I'd like to walk on water. I would like to pray for blind people that can see. I'd like to raise the dead. Well, you figured they were just like us. They asked the same questions. They saw him do it. But what about me? Am I Swiss cheese? Can I do it? That's what, where they were at. So John 6, 28 in the Amplified says, Then they said, What are we to do that we may habitually be working the works of God? Isn't that the question a lot of you are asking? What should I do so I can not just work the one miracle, habitually work the works of God? That's a good question. Good question deserves a good answer. And when it comes from heaven, it's even better than good. This is what God said in John 6, 29. Yeshua, that's Hebrew for Jesus, replied, This is the work that God asks of you that you believe in the one whom he has sent, that you cleave to, trust, rely on, and have faith in his messenger. Who's his messenger? Yeshua. But what's his message? The message and the messenger are the same. When someone tries to discredit the Bible, they're trying to discredit God. The Word and God are the same. So if you want to work the works of God, if you want to work the works of God, 
then you must follow his message. That's what he said. Pretty clear. As a matter of fact, it's my belief that the more complex you are, the further you're going to get away from the heart of God. He was teaching fishermen that probably never went to school. Do you really think he was teaching calculus? Or, or algebra? Or, or Russian? Oh, he was teaching them simple. What's the old saying? Kiss? Keep it simple, stupid? <laughs> so let's take a look at his message. This is his message. The 103rd Psalm, it's summarized in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. As if to say, you humans, you forget so quickly. Forget not all. It's an important word. All his benefits. Now, I thought I was good in selling, but can you imagine what a salesman God would make? Forget not all the benefits of my products. <laughs> can you picture him on TV? <laughs> so, let's listen. I mean, uh, when God speaks, I think we should let, listen. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. In other words, maybe your soul has a mind of its own. Maybe you have to tell your soul to bless the Lord. I mean, your soul is stupid if it doesn't want to bless the Lord, to be quite candid with you. But you literally have to. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. David says, soul, I'm speaking to you. I want you to know God is your God. So I know all the wonderful things he's done in my life. So, soul, bless God. Don't kick your shoes off and eat popcorn like I did last night. <laughs> bless God. Am I under condemnation? No. There's no condemnation for those that are in Messiah Jesus. Amen. But, come, soul, come to your senses. Bless God with all that is within me. Well, does written mean all? I guess it does. With, maybe I should experiment. Have you ever tried to bless God with all that is within you? Boy, I've got such a long message and I got stuck on one sentence. Two <laughs> words. With all that is within you. That's what he's saying. You don't have to be a mental giant to figure that out. You don't have to be a medical doctor to figure it out. Don't have to even write a prescription. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. With all, what would happen if you were to do that one thing? Just that one thing. With all that is with... I don't know if you've ever done that. Maybe you've never done that. Willfully do it sometime, will you? Preferably at a worship service. <laughs> okay. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities. I love it. No exceptions. He forgives all, all, all. You say, what about the unforgivable sin? Let me tell you something. If you had committed it, you wouldn't be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and you wouldn't even be asking that question. 
The fact you're asking that question means you haven't committed it. Does that make sense? Your conscience is seared when you do the unforgivable sin. So therefore, if you are worried about you've done it, then I know you haven't. (laughs) Forgives all your iniquities. Heals all. A-L-L. You want to take the first part? He's forgiven all your sins. Do you want that? How about the second part? I don't have enough faith to be healed. Did you have enough faith to be saved? (laughs) That's the better of the two. You got that. So therefore, of course, you have enough faith to be healed. He's forgiven all of your sins. Healed all of your diseases. Oh, someone was just healed. Who are we? I'll describe you. You have a pain in your neck. There's actually someone that's got a pain in their back, in their hip. Uh, If you have a pain in your neck or back or hip, stand up and bend over right now. Do it quick because I have a long message. (laughs) Come on, real quick. Either that or keep your pain, whichever you want. You know, choice is yours. There's always a choice. Okay. Now, any, anyone, how many of you had a pain and it's gone now? Uh, well, Richard, you're in the control room. Anyone else? Anyone else? Uh, uh, one, two, one, anyone else? Three? Do I hear four? Going once? No, 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 wrong message. Okay. <laughs> one of you, come up real quick. Tell me what happened. Devil's only overcome by this. Because the truth book tells me the devil is overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And there's power in a testimony. I'll tell you another trade secret. When she shares, someone else can get healed. I've been having pain in my shoulder and my left hip for a little while in my bones. And um, right before you said someone has just been healed, I felt something just release. And there's no pain. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. So uh, at, at any point, the Lord can interrupt me. Is that okay with you? Doesn't matter. It's okay with me. <laughs> um, now, by the way, that 103rd Psalm, I had a part that I, I decided I'd put in here. And it's, it, it's not just for me, but it is for me. You know, I had someone prophesy over me on television, and they said I would be getting younger. And then I have people that Google against me. (laughs) They write things. And they were so upset over that. They can get old. That's okay. I have no problem with that. I receive his prophecy. Uh, But I also receive it from the truth book. Here's what the truth book says in that same 103rd Psalm, verse 5 who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You want to take it? Take it. Your youth is renewed like the eagles. I am going to get younger, despite what the guy on Google says. (laughs) Your youth is renewed like the eagle. By the way, that first part is important, where it says, man um, who satisfies your mouth with good things. Do you know, Jesus, in the, in the Old Testament, both talked about that. This is what they said in Matthew 4.4. 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, 
but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You got it? You want your youth renewed as an eagle? Start speaking words of God with your mouth. That's what he's saying there. I was on an airplane a couple days ago coming here from New York, and I sat next to a guy, a semi-atheist, because he didn't know what he was. But, and so we're talking, and he explains to me about evolution. Boy, did he pick a good one. <laughs> and he's telling me all about the apes and, you know, everything and the monkeys. And, and I said, you know, it's interesting you believe that. I believe the opposite. He said, what do you mean? I said, I believe that we're evolving downwards, not upwards. <laughs> now, I've never said that before. It came by the Holy Spirit. I've never even thought that before. We're, and so I want to find out what I'm going to say. <laughs> because I'm not, I've never discussed this particular event, that we're going backwards and not forwards. And then it came out of my mouth. I said, do you remember Adam in the Garden of Eden? Yeah. Do you know what kind of mind he had? He knew the names of thousands of animals. Can you picture memorizing thousands of animals? He must have had what today we call a photographic memory. But that was normal. That's the way God created his humans, to have a photographic memory. Do you think he was ever sick before he fell? Do you think he ever worried? Do you think he ever had fear? Do you think he ever had anything interrupting his intimacy with God? Do you think he could hear God's voice clearly, just the way you hear my voice? Of course he could. So that's why I say we've evolved down. We haven't evolved up. I'd rather be where he was, not where I am. And that's why Yeshua came to earth, he's called the second Adam. That was his purpose, to capture back so we don't have to keep evolving downward so we can be believers in evolution. We're evolving to become in the likeness of our Father, God. Now, I believe the best example of when it was restored was Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs. I read this to my Orthodox Jewish father. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, written 800 years before Jesus came to earth. He said, stop. You're reading about Jesus. I showed him. This is the Bible that my rabbi gave me. Look, here's the Orthodox rabbi's name. He was so convinced I was reading about Jesus. By no commentary, just reading a passage, a prophecy about Jesus that was written by the Jewish prophet Isaiah 800 years before he came to earth. That's pretty convincing for me because he didn't want to believe that. So Isaiah 53, verse 4 says, Surely he, that's the Messiah, has borne, and that's the scapegoat would take away the sins of the whole world. The priest would put his hands on a goat, and they'd lead the goat away. That's the same word, borne. 
away our griefs and carried our sorrows. He paid the price for every emotional, traumatic problem you have ever had or you ever will have. He paid that price. But in the Hebrew, it's more than the emotional rage. In the Hebrew, instead of griefs, where it says, surely he has borne our griefs, it could be translated sicknesses. Surely. Not maybe. Not hopefully. Not manana. Surely he has borne, carried away, meaning not on us anymore. Our sicknesses. Surely he's done that. Surely he's done that. I mean, how could you not realize? He's done, surely he's done that. He's unconvinced. Surely he has done that. And then in the Hebrew, it says, and rather than carried our sorrows, it can also say carried our pains. <sighs> Did you see the people that raised their hand? Their pain just went on him, and he carried it away. That's what he did. Our sicknesses, our pains, our griefs, our sorrows. And by his stripes, and in the Hebrew, the word is not stripes. Most Bibles translate it that way. It is stripe, singular. By his stripe. In other words, it started out as stripes, but then he was one bloody mass of stripe. One stripe. All blood, all cut, all suffering, all pain, all sickness, all disease. One stripe. And by his stripe, you are healed. Now, the word stripe in the Hebrew is an interesting word. It has another meaning. And it means by his fellowship. You are healed. So not only by his stripe with the wound were you healed, but by your intimacy with him, you are healed. Well, there's a healing wave going through this auditorium right now. There's a healing wave going through this auditorium. You must understand authority. It's very important. In Matthew 6.10, Jesus taught, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Any sickness in heaven? Any poverty in heaven? Any family problems in heaven? Your will be done on earth. Who taught us to pray this? Jesus. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Speaks for itself. Matthew 28, 18. And Yeshua came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Oh, what an echo. (laughs) In heaven and on earth. Verse 19. Go, therefore. Therefore is therefore purpose. When you see therefore, look what was said just before. So if he says go, why is he saying go? We have to see what was just before. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
go, therefore. He wants you to go because he has all the authority and he's given it to you. You follow? He wants you to go. Luke 10, 19. Behold, this is Yeshua speaking to you and speaking to his disciples. He's saying, behold, I give you the authority. All authority has been given to me. He says, behold, I give you the authority. He got that? I give you the I give you the I give you the authority. 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 Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all. Do you like the word all? Over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing. All. All authority in heaven and earth is given to Jesus. Therefore, you should go because I have given you all power. You got it? I got it. (laughs) Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do, oh, get this in your spirit, exceedingly abundantly above all that we even ask or all that we even imagine or think according to the power or the ability that works in us. Say this. His power, out loud, his power power works works in in me. me. All right, it gets even better. 1 John 4.4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Who is them? People controlled by the devil. What what does the devil do? Kill, steal, and destroy. Sickness, disease, poverty, problems in families. But what is he saying? If that's who them is, you are of God, little children. You're not them. You're not them. That's not you. You've overcome them because he who is in you is greater than anything in the world. Matthew 18, 18. I wish there were some policemen here because that's the authority that God has given us to be God's policemen on earth. Listen to this, Matthew 18, 18. Truly I tell you, whatever you forbid... Picture a big stop sign. Stop, what do you do? Stop. Whatever, wherever you hold that stop sign up. You picture me holding a stop sign? That's what it says right here. Whatever you forbid or stop and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden, stopped, or unlawful in heaven. Do you know what's going on in heaven? Any sickness? Any poverty? Any family problems? Any fears? Any traumas? Stop! Put your little stop sign up next time. I mean, you're, you're to enforce it. That's what it says to me. Surely I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden, stopped in heaven. And whatever you permit or allow and desire and declare proper and lawful on earth 
must be what is already permitted, allowed in heaven. But you must know the laws of heaven. You find out the laws from heaven in the book I gave you. Read it. <laughs> Called the truth book. John 5, 19. Then Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. That's Jesus saying this. He's saying, I can't do anything. Listen to this. That's amazing. Most surely I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever the Father does, the Son also does in like manner. So in other words, well, that's pretty good. Jesus sees what God's doing, and he's an actor on a stage, and he acts it out. Well, my visionary ability is not as cool as Jesus. I wish it was. I wish that everything I did was what I saw my Father doing. Wait a second. If his word is synonymous with him, whatever I see him doing in his word, I can do. I don't need a vision from heaven. I got the written vision in a book called the Bible. And I interviewed a man, um, his, I think his name is Mel Bond, and he would read the miracles of Jesus and picture himself in those miracles doing everything Jesus did. He would visualize that. And you know what? He went to foreign countries and everything he had gone over and over, seeing himself lay hands on that blind person, seeing himself walk on the water. He, he would use his sang See, we use our imagination all the time to hurt ourselves, to knock us down, to put us under. What if we used our imagination to do the works of God? Can you, and he went to these foreign countries and he saw the greatest miracle, same things that he saw himself doing in his sanctified imagination. This is interesting. The word sickness in the Greek in the New Testament can also be translated evil. Isn't that interesting? That means sickness is evil. Can you picture Jesus having evil on him? He didn't have any. But he took, he bore your evil, your sickness on himself. That's why he said, Father, if I have to, I will. Not my will, but your will be done. He understood. He'd never experienced evil on himself before until he bore your sins and your sicknesses and your pains and your diseases. I had a friend, he's a Messianic rabbi by the name of David Rosenberg, and he never got anyone healed in his congregation. He honestly says this. And one day he got angry, and there was someone with cancer, and he's commanded the spirit of cancer to leave that person. He never did something so bold as that. And the person got healed. And now he's got a formula, but it's working. If it's working, it's okay. Now, when he's praying for someone sick, he says, get out, you spirit of cancer. You get out. No, it depends on what he's praying for. But <laughs> get out, you allergy. You know? And he gets almost, every, not everyone, but many people are healed. He never had anyone healed. You see, evil can be sickness, 
or be a demon. And if you don't know, cover your bases. <laughs> Communion. The early church understood communion. We don't understand it today. Do you know why Jesus said do this often? At every meal they had bread and wine. They didn't have water. The water wasn't too clean. <laughs> every meal they had bread and wine. So what Jesus said, look, you want to take the people out? Every time you eat, do it in remembrance of what I did for you. Three times a day, not once a week, not once a month, not once a year. Not some priest doing it. My Bible says we're all priests. That's right. Three times a day. And not only that, communion is progressive. Meaning, you get just a little bit healed each time you take it. Like medicine can be progressive, right? You take your medicine for a while, and all of a sudden, the symptoms disappear. Well, your communion can be progressive. And bleed. Believe that each time you're getting a little more healed. Soaking. Oh, that is so important. You don't come and listen to music laying on the floor with a laundry list. Here's something that I was thinking about even this morning. Either lay on the floor, sit in a comfortable chair, play some music, say, God, this is my time to be with you, to commune with you. I'm not asking a bunch of petitions. I just want you. And visualize, I've done this, Jesus, like I do it in my office, at the desk, sitting there. Visualize him coming up and touching you. Maybe he's not even saying anything. Maybe he's just praying for strength for you, for encouragement. But not your laundry list of things. That's your time for you to commune with God. I try to do that almost every day. Forgiveness is the number one area I have found that releases healing. Now, forgiveness, many people teach us a process. It is. Because feelings take a little time to diminish. It is a process. But it is an immediate act of faith on your part because Jesus said, I will forgive you the same degree you forgive other people. What if you were to die? How would you like to be 50% forgiven? <laughs> no. Went, no? So you're going to forgive everyone? And get, yes, but they don't deserve it. Well, you did, did you? <laughs> Does that mean I have to trust that person? No, they have to earn the trust. But does that mean you have to forgive them? Because you will drink the same poison that you want them to drink. You will drink it when you're in unforgiveness. Is there anyone you want to take poison over? No matter what they've done in your life? Not me. Not me. No matter what they've done in your life. Very important principle. The minute, and it doesn't take more than a minute to get offended, with someone, spouse, child, someone you work with, someone you go to school with, the second you must choose to forgive them. The longer you wait, the more you mull it over, the longer the process of the feelings take. You don't ever want to, you see, you don't have to ever get there. You can be walking in unforgiveness 24-7, but you must do it instantly. 
I've seen so many people heal once they forgive them. But you know who most people have to forgive? God. God. You'd say, well, I don't really have to forgive God. But you harbor something against him because you don't understand his kingdom. First one you want to forget, and he doesn't need the forgiveness, I might add. You are drinking the poison. You You don't want that poison. You need to forgive God. You need to forgive yourself. You need to forgive others, no matter what they have done, because it's not worth taking the poison you want them to have. Plain not worth it. Besides that, it interrupts your intimacy with God. You don't want that. You have a choice to worry or trust. Luke 12, 22 says, Then he said to his disciples, and this is a command, Do not worry. Did you know that when you worry, you're in pride? P-R-I-D-E. Did you know that God despises pride? When you worry... I'm just reminding you the next time you worry, you're in pride. When you're in fear, why? You're saying, I take this back from you, God, because you can't solve it. Therefore, I'm going to worry, which won't solve anything either, but I feel better. (laughs) You're divided. You're divided when when you worry. In the parable of the sower, the bad ground is the seed doesn't bear fruit in the bad ground because of the cares of this world. The word cares in the Greek means divided. You can't serve God and money. You're divided. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. Stop being divided. It's bad ground. You're either going to worry or trust. Make up your mind. It's a much better way to live. Trust me. <laughs> Trust God. Let's say it. A healing or a miracle. There is a difference. A healing can be gradual. That communion I talked about. Each day, three times a day that you take communion, you're gradually getting better. Do this in remembrance of me. You're gradually recognizing He that's within you is greater than he that's within the world. A miracle is instant, which just happened to the the back of several people. And the neck, that's instant. But don't get robbed of your miracle because you don't understand healing. Mm -hmm. Healing is gradual. A miracle is instant. Both are from God. Can God use a doctor? Absolutely. Some of you wouldn't be alive today if God didn't use doctors in your life. I believe God can direct you to the right doctor. We're coming into a time now, though. Well, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. (laughs) Tongues. When I saw this, this was so revolutionary. Acts 6-4. But we will, the apostle said, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. But in the Greek translation, it says we will give ourselves continuously to the prayer. Not prayer. The prayer. And the early fathers suggest that the prayer was in supernatural languages. 
Romans 8.26, now you'll understand. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses or our infirmities. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Our mind doesn't know everything. Doctors don't know everything. But God's Spirit knows everything. Likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmities, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's tongues. And verse 27, Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The 28th verse, Have you ever heard all things work together for good? You didn't read the first two verses. If you're praying in you're praying perfect prayers. Of course all things, you're praying the prayer. Of course all things will work together for good when you're praying the prayer. And for those that don't pray in supernatural languages, if you're born again, get the tape. I promise you, if you do what I say, the gift comes from God, not from me. You will manifest the gift. Not everyone prays in supernatural languages in a congregation, but everyone has this private language so that all things work together for good. If you don't remember anything else, remember worship. Spend time in worshiping God. I have friends that rehearse what God has done in their life before they start worship. What has God done in your life? Let me tell you what he did. He rescued me from new age, from being demonized. He rescued me from not knowing my left hand from my right hand. He rescued me from depression. He rescued me from being near suicidal. And you know what? It's like David before he went before Goliath. Do you know David did the same thing? He said, there was a line. I supernaturally defeat. Look, I'm a little shrimp. I supernaturally defeated this line. And then there was a bear. Have you ever seen these big bears? I defeated myself. <laughs> of course I can defeat, defeat the Goliath in my life. If God is for me, who could be against me? But he rehearsed it out loud. That's a good way to start your worship. Remind yourself. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And here's why, in case you forgot. <laughs> Remind yourself. Very important. James 2.2. Faith without works is dead. In the Greek, that means faith without a corresponding action is dead. I could have prayed, and you could have had a back pain a few minutes ago. But if you did not stand up and bend over, I wasn't trying to get you to do some trick or something. Faith without a corresponding action is dead. So therefore, if there's a word of knowledge and you have that condition, you need a corresponding action. You bend over. You start doing something based on belief in the word. And many times, you'll get your healing the minute you bend over. Many times, because you bent over, the next day you'll get your healing. But what happens the minute you walk out of there, you'll hear a little voice say that, Oh, that was a coincidence. I'm really not healed. And how can two walk together unless they be agreed? You have agreed with the devil. He has no power whatsoever except if you agree with him and use your mouth 
for in his place because humans have the authority on earth. So if he can't use your mouth against yourself, you're getting the picture. Mark 11, 23 says the picture. For assuredly I say to you, whoever, almost notice how many times Jesus says to say this. For assuredly I say to you, well, whoever says to this mountain or this problem or this sickness, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart. How many times is doubt used? Once. And how does not doubt it? Because you've said it three times. That's why your heart's going to believe it. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. See how important speaking is? Power of blessing. Very, very important. Most of you have missed in this area. James 3.10. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. We are not created to curse. That's the devil's job. Some of you have taken over the devil's job. We don't want to help him. There was a pastor that I heard about that his artery was missing an artery. That's a very important thing to have. Yeah. <laughs> a main artery. So, you know what he did? He put his hand on his chest and he began to bless himself every day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I have a new artery. Thank you for that artery. I believe in his heart. He began to believe in his heart. Took an x-ray and they found out he had a new artery. Wow. Um, Sandra Kennedy I interviewed. Most tenacious faith I've ever seen in my life. A dog bit off the top of her upper lip. The plastic surgeon said, I can fix it, but you'll never look the same. You'll never talk properly. She said, I will. He gave her a bunch of pictures of people that had corrective surgery and said, look how beautiful you look. I don't want to look at the book. That's what she told the doctor. I don't want to look at those pictures. I don't want to get that in my imagination and the devil have a field day with that. She went home. She took down every mirror in her house. She did not want to look at her lip being ripped off. She put up pictures of the way she used to look. I saw her lip. She was my guest. It's as normal as yours and as normal as mine. She believed. Simple. Kiss. Keep it. Don't be double-minded. First Peter 3.9 summarizes the blessing. Do not return evil for evil or insult for insult, but give a blessing instead. For you were called for very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. Anyone want to inherit a blessing? So use your mouth for cursing? No. Use your mouth for blessing. That's what he's saying. What about a topless bar? There was a pastor that drove by every day for a decade a topless bar. And this is what he did. He used his mouth to curse. I curse you. I command fire to hit on you. I command you to be destroyed. I command you to go out of business. Year after year, curse after curse, and the business is thriving. You're called to be a blessing. Okay, I got it. Pastor goes by one day, puts his hand on the building, and says, 
I bless this building to be what God intended it to be. This is going to be a place that people are going to find God. These people in this place of spirit of God is going to radiate all over. Shortly thereafter, they went out of business. You're called to be a blessing, not a curse. How would you like to walk in joy and peace 24-7? Any doctor will tell you. You eliminate all stress, you eliminate most diseases. If you walk in peace and joy 24-7, did you know one of the fruit of the Spirit is called peace? Joy? Did you know fruit is developed? Gifts can be instant, but fruit, that means you can develop peace. You can develop joys. I interviewed a man that prayed for eight people that were dead that came back to life. His name was Surprisa Sitoli. And when I prayed to him, he's, he's from Africa. I said to him, when I, he was a guest on my show, I said to him, why are you happy all the time? Do you ever have down days? He said, never, never, never. He said, I walk in joy 24 Seven. If he can do it, you can do it. It's fruit of the Holy... Hey, I walk in love. I walk in peace 24-7. Romans 14-17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. When you're not in righteousness, you're not in the kingdom. Understood. When you're not in peace, you're not in the kingdom. You want to be in the kingdom? You better stay in peace. When you're not in joy, you're not in the kingdom. You want to get back into the kingdom? You like being out of the kingdom? I don't like being out of the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. I want to be in that 24-7. Am I there yet? I'm going to get there. I promise you I'm going to get there. The whole message was for this last part. You must understand this last part. Because it's what God's up to in this congregation. It's what God's up to with his church all over the world. There is a prophet that I greatly respect by the name of David Minor. And he had a word. And if there's ever been a word from God, it's this word about what's going on right now. I want to read it to you. And make sure he prophesies there's two winds coming. Two winds. If you don't pass the test of the first wind, you will not receive the blessings of the second wind. And I believe many of us are about ready to walk into the second wind. But you can do what he tells you to do right now for the first wind that is coming upon you. He tells you, turn your face into the wind. I think of the Titanic and those two young kids at the front of the boat and the breeze in their face. Turn your face towards the wind. Let me read this to you. Please pay attention. The Spirit of God would say to you that the wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing through the land. The church, however, is incapable of fully recognizing this wind. Just as the people give names to hurricanes, 
So I have put my name on this wind. This wind shall be named holiness unto the Lord. Because of a lack of understanding, some of my people will try to find shelter from this wind. But in so doing, they shall miss my work. For this wind has been sent to blow through every institution that has been raised in my name. In those institutions that have substituted their name for my name, they shall fall by the impact of my wind. These institutions shall fall like cardboard shacks in a gale. Ministries that have not walked in uprightness before me shall be broken and fall. This is my wind. I cannot tolerate my church in its present form, nor will I tolerate it. Ministries and organizations will shake and fall in the face of the wind. And even though some will seek to hide from the wind, they shall not escape. It shall blow against your lives, and all around you, you will appear to be crumbling, and so it shall. But never forget, this is my wind, saith the Lord. With tornado force, it will come and appear to lead to devastation. But the word of the Lord says, turn your face into the wind. Turn your face into the wind and let it blow. For only that which is not of me shall be devastated. You must see this as necessary. What is he describing? This first wind? Holiness. Repentance. Purity. A second wind. This wind too will have a name. It shall be called the kingdom of God. It shall bring my government in order. Along with that, it shall bring my power. The supernatural shall come in that wind. The world will laugh at you because of the devastation of that first wind, but they will laugh no more. For this wind will come with force and power that will produce the miraculous among my people, and the fear of God shall fall on this nation. In my first wind that is upon you now, I will blow out pride, lust, greed, competition, and jealousy, and you will be devastated. But haven't you read? Blessed are the poor of spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So out of your poverty of spirit, I will establish my kingdom. Know this also. There will be those who will seek to hide from this present wind, and they will try to flow then with the second wind. But again, they'll be blown away by it. Only those who have turned their faces into the present wind shall be allowed to be propelled by the second wind. You have longed for revival and a return to the miraculous and the supernatural. You and your generations shall see it, but shall only come by my process, saith the Lord. The church of this nation cannot contain my power in its present form. But as it turns to the wind of holiness of God, it shall be purged and changed to contain my glory. This is judgment that has begun at the house of God. But it is not the end. When the second wind has come and brought in my harvest, then shall the end come. Society, the devil, is calling normal homosexuality, is calling normal sex outside of marriage, is calling normal pornography, is calling normal witchcraft, new age, is calling normal which God calls sin. It's calling normal abortion. 
calling normal jokes about in movies about vampires and dragons and monsters. If you only knew, those were catalysts for demons. I know people that have seen the movie The Exorcist and walked out demonized. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. Not only is society being demonized, calling good bad and bad good, the church is too. It's like a pendulum. First, there was super holiness, which really wasn't holiness. It was an external form of holiness, the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you move. And then it swung to super grace. God's my buddy. Yay, God! Whatever happened to repentance? Whatever happened to the holiness of God? It's just out the door. It's coming back. Last thing I want to say, study the feast and you'll understand this prophecy and you'll understand the end times. The reason there's such confusion on the end times is we haven't understood the feast. The word feast in the Hebrew says means appointment. Leviticus 23.2 says these are my feasts, God speaking. These are my appointments. It's not so much for righteousness sake as it's not. It's for understanding the end times. It's for doing what God says. It's not a sin not to observe them. It's a lack of a blessing, that's all. Be free. If you can't do the feast in freedom, please don't do them. Passover is the prophecy I just said. Jewish people were slaves, but they were God's chosen. And they defeated Egypt, sin. They defeated the Egyptian army, the demons and the devils. They walked on the Red Sea as if it was dry sand. There was a distinction between them and the Egyptians, even though the wind blew. You want to understand the end times? Understand the biblical feasts. We need the wind of holiness. Will you turn your face to that wind? I'm going to read a couple of things that you need to repent of. If it's you, do it. You don't need a formal prayer or anything. If you have unforgiveness against God, or yourself, or anyone, you know what to do. Instantly, forgive them. If you're addicted to pornography, if you're having sex outside of marriage, if you're involved in homosexuality, if you've been involved in abortion, if you're involved in new age, drugs, sorcery, fortune telling, playing New Age games, like Dungeons and Dragons and there's a whole slew of them. Repent. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. As for me and my house, the wind is blowing. Turn your face in the wind. Turn your face in the wind right now. It might hurt for a moment, but joy comes in the morning. I tell you, joy comes in the morning. Make Jesus your Lord. Become a disciple. 
all authority has been given to you. Go, therefore. I'm not going to pray for you to repent. You know how to repent. You know, it means change your behavior. That's what it means. Tell God you're sorry. Believe the blood of Jesus is strong enough to wash away your sin. Turn to him for the help to overcome. But if you don't turn your face in the wind now, you will miss the second wind. Very last thing. Take your hand. This is what Jesus said about your hand. He said this about your hand. He said, those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Do you have anything wrong in your body whatsoever? Emotionally? Physically? Let's do what Jesus said. Take your hand and put it on yourself. He said, in the name of Jesus, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Someone's mouth is being healed. Teeth, gums, backs, very strong in backs right now. Hips, knees, knees are being healed right now. And I want you to say, there's no big religious prayer. When I tell you to, I want you to say, Jesus. Right after I say the name Jesus, I want everyone to repeat after me, Jesus and believe. Say, in the name of Jesus, say out loud, in the name of Jesus, I am healed. Now. Stand up and act like it. Stand up and act like it. I remember as a new Jewish believer, I had just seen Catherine Coleman, and I thought that that was normal. I read the Bible, it was normal, but I didn't realize she was an exception. So I started praying for everyone that was breathing for healing. And you know what? I can honestly say, I prayed for thousands of people, and guess how many got healed? None. But I will honestly say, I said, let every man be a liar, but God's word is true. And I'm going to keep doing this if no one is. I have to tell you, one time someone uh, died in my meeting, and I prayed for her, and she didn't come back to life. I mean, I had everything thrown at me, but I kept being persistent. And God honored my persistence. But we're living in a new time. I didn't know the things that I'm teaching you right now. I encourage you to watch this video over and over, especially when your faith gets a little low. Watch it because there's an anointing on this teaching and you're getting the best of the best. Uh, I would encourage you to play this for uh, uh, your friends. And I would encourage you to start stepping out. Pray for people. Do what I did. Listen, you don't get credit if someone is healed. God gets all the credit. But you don't get any blame if someone isn't healed. But I promise you, 
You know things that I wish, I wish that I had known when I first started. And there is a new presence, a glory of God on planet Earth that you're not going to have to go through all that I went through. I don't want you to have to go through that. I believe that as you start stepping out, you are going to see marvelous results. But remember, some people are going to be instantly healed and others gradual. You're not the healer. God is the healer. But that anointing is going in people. Teaching is so important. That's why you have to get this teaching inside of you. And it's very good if you can to teach people before you lay hands on them. But I can tell you today, I go into the store, I see someone with a headache or, or something wrong with them, I lay hands on them, and they get healed instantly, and God isn't a respecter of persons. What he's doing for me, he's going to do for you. No, he's not only going to do it for you, he wants to do it for you more than you want it. So, remember... You are special. You are God's workmanship. You are created in His image for good works. Now go do them.